Hi, welcome to Norwegian Newcomers, the podcast where we are hearing fragments from the lives of Norway's immigrant population. Today, I'm really glad and lucky my guest is Maria. Maria, welcome. Hello, thank you. <laughs> oh, I did do it. I did do it. I, did. I was even, hearing the music. Even I without heard, the music. I could hear your, your intro music in my head and I was already going into my... I was getting into a yoga position as I sit here. <laughs> so the music I is... I actually my have my head, my, my legs behind my head. <laughs> For those of you who can't see, I'm a yogi. So this did. episode starts on lies, on lies, on lies. Just kidding. Just kidding. But, Maria, I'm, yes. I'm uh, really thank you that, that you managed to come and to... Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I'm really curious, because we know each other not so well, mm-hmm. but I I knew it as as uh, as I told you on the, on the way walking here that uh, I had you in, in my list of wishes, potential guests that I would like to have. So I, I'm, I'm really glad because I don't know uh, basically nothing about your life. I just know that you lived. And that's how I like to keep it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but it's not possible. You are already here, so you won't go home until we heard something. Okay, okay. So please. It's going to be a story tonight. Yes. So please, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. My name is Maria. That question is so big. It is, but some... Just to introduce. Okay, so I was born in um, I was born in the states in the U.S. in North America, United States of America, <laughs> all the different ways I can think of to say that. And I live in Norway now, and I've been here since two thousand and six, which is crazy when you think about it. It went by so fast, like because we're referring now to the two thousand like two thousand six is early two thousands, as yeah. if like a time long ago. Yeah, that's true. And I'm I'm born in 1975, so you can imagine. Right, we're old. <laughs> but Maria, so you're born in USA. I was born in the US. How that happened? <laughs> How did that happen is a actually very good question, considering the parents. So my mom's side comes from Norway, and they have a book, history book of the family lineage. So we trace back to Danish royalty. So, let me just toss my hair as I say that. I'm a princess, basically. Um, And then on my dad's side, grandfather, dad's dad, was born in Puerto Rico. Was he born in Puerto Rico? Lived in Puerto Rico, if he was born in Puerto Rico, born in Africa, I can't remember. But grandmother, dad's mom, was born in France, moved to the U.S., I think, from there. She's Creole. She's both of them are from the continent. Both of them are black, uh, African. Whereabouts in Africa, I don't know. Slave trade happened, and you know we all lost our our contacts. So I'm Creole, Puerto Rican, Danish, Norwegian, French, black, and First Nation, uh, indigenous. I'm Canadian and American as well. I guess if that if you like, if your parents are from somewhere, then you are that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how I consider that that those are the roots, right? So yeah, father was born in Canada, so yeah. does that make me Canadian? Yeah, yeah, I think also on the legal part, but also kind of roots. He was born there and spent some right, time and I use I use that when it benefits me. 
That's the nice thing about being mixed is I have such a plethora of nations to choose from. I don't feel like being American right now. I can just slip into whatever I feel like. But tell me, if it's not a secret, which passport you are? I'm using the American one with shame. And I'm this year have made it a goal that I'm going to get the Norwegian one because now you can have dual citizenship. No. Yeah, it's, you, you just feel. Why? why? Because... I've been away for so long that I don't, I feel a bit uh, more attached to Europe than I do to the US. Mm -hmm. Also, I've had some run-ins traveling where I think it might have been better for me to have a European passport than to have an American passport. Mm -hmm. And just because, because you can, simply it's because I actually have the ability to have two, I might as well Why have not? two. Yeah. But Maria, tell me, so you were born in USA and you lived yes. in Seattle for, for how long? I was born in Seattle, Washington, and I lived there for, I don't know. My mom had me and then moved back to, I think we moved in with my uncle. Uh, there was a lot of drama around. I am... Like in every family. I am drama. I am <laughs> the embodiment. I am the manifestation of drama. That's cool. <laughs> I know everyone who that. knows me listens to this and be like, yep, that bitch is right. She is. That's what yeah. we're here for. It's the reality TV here. No, so uh, there was drama with the parents because um, it was a match that was not supposed to happen. My mom moved back when, to her family when she had me. In Norway? It, no, in the US. In USA. In Minas yeah. No, wait. Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah, that's where she moved back to when I was a baby. And uh, then eventually to Minnesota, where I spent my, I guess what you call formative years, the junior schools. She stayed there and I moved on right after I finished school. And my dad, uh, basically he's in San Diego and has been there for most of my life. Mm -hmm. But uh, can you recall in those formative years? I remember drama in a in a big trailer truck driving across America with my best friend. Him sleeping and then me like turning the music on as loud as possible whenever he slept and then having him have it on silent when I slept. I was the worst. Um, where were we going when we did that? Yes, I moved to Washington, D.C. where I took on the character of a college student. I was not a college student. <laughs> you just took the character. But I took on the character of a college student when it served me. And <laughs> benefited from racism in that I had a brown friend who was attending Georgetown. Mm -hmm. And she would loan me her student ID card. And just the fact that we were both brown was basically all it took. So I could get into everything uh -huh. and anything because I had this card. I don't look anything like her. In fact, she's Indian. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, but it works. It was not even the same at all. But, I mean, it worked. And I got cheap taxi rides. I got discounts. I got student discount life before I became a student. And it was wonderful. I learned how to do college life before I started doing college life. <laughs> You mentioned that you grew up with your mom and uh, she was a single parent. How was that? 
I don't know if that was really a thing or not, single parenting. Like, of all the friends I had, Mm -hmm. everybody had two parents. And I remember people saying to me, like, you have to, you have to have a dad. Like, you have to know who your dad is. It's like a, there is no other way. And I I mean, in hindsight, yes, you do have to have a dad to be conceived, I guess. At that time, you had to have a dad to be conceived. Today, you don't. But uh, yeah, so I didn't grow up with my dad, so I didn't know about him. Um, You didn't have any contact? Not when I was younger. Mm -hmm. But it it just seemed, uh, I don't know, it was just normal normal. to just be the two of us. And your mom uh, had... uh, Was a hard worker. Yeah. And the system, was it hard? uh... I mean, it wasn't Norway. Yeah. Right? She was working, uh, she was going to college full time and working at least two jobs, I think. Mm -hmm. And then me, because I remember she had a paper route job. So sometimes she would wake me up at two or three in the morning and then put me in the car and I would sleep in the car while we would go and do the paper route until about 6 a.m. or whatever. And then yeah, we would yeah, come yeah. back and get ready to go to school. Yeah, but that's, that's yeah. just struggling. When, when... So she was, but I mean, she did I Because she, when I... I just think of that in like in terms of like if my mother had been black, it would have been an entirely different story, an entirely different upbringing, an entirely different story of what she could have. I don't want to say what she could have accomplished or not accomplished, but I mean, it's silly to pretend like racism doesn't exist and that the U.S. isn't polarizing because it really is. Mm-hmm. But she did well and I thought we were rich. No, I didn't think we were rich, but I mean, compared uh, so we had. You didn't miss anything. I didn't miss anything. And she got to a certain point where she got a good enough job where we were able to have an apartment that had two floors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a I mansion. <laughs> <laughs> but did you dreamt or thinking at all that you will come in some point of your life that you will move to Norway? Oh, never Norway. And it's the thing is, it's I had so many... When I look back, I've lived so many different lives. So it's kind of hard to piece them all together and like to make almost to make it make sense uh, because I don't really think about that time of being that young. And if you ask me who I was raised by, I'll actually tell you uh, I was raised by. Um, oh, this is a podcast. I got to use the right terminology. No, please just. Uh, OK, don't. OK. At the time. Right. Remember history. We learn things. So words mean things at certain decades. So at the time, I was raised by trannies. That that sounds so interesting. Uh, yes. How how that looks? Can you can you describe? Can you just do uh, I have was a picture? The hottest person at prom. Let me just yeah. tell you, I had a drag queen beat my face, do my hair. Uh, I learned how to walk in heels from them. Uh, the dresses, like everything. Everything was amazing, but it was first and foremost tough love all the time. Mm-hmm. They were so mean to me all the time, but it was all coming from love and they were really great people. And because it, it wasn't just one, it was Billy, who was it was Billy, who was my mom. And then her friends as well were there and they taught me how to parallel park, walk in heels, uh, put on, uh, do makeup, yell at neighbors. 
maneuver the dream of every girl. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. It really was. I really learned how to hold my own. Uh, particularly because this was in Minneapolis, but these uh, these women came from New York. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a huge difference between uh, a drag queen from the Midwest and a drag queen yeah, from New York. Well, so my birth mother is white middle class. And she is... I don't want to... She's not a Karen. My mother is not a Karen by any means. But definitely, you know, they have a a way of speaking when they're unhappy and, like, the manager is called in. And, Uh you know, they have to try and put you in your place in that way. But be polite. Because the thing about Minnesota is they want to cover everything with a thing of politeness. Uh So it's a lot... I mean, well, there's a lot like Norwegians. And there is... um, so if they don't like something, or if it's if it's negative, they'll say, "Oh, well, that's interesting." Interesting. Uh-huh. And in the way they say it, like, I can't use the word "interesting" anymore. Because uh-huh. everyone was just like, "Ugh." Or at least for you, that's right? a different like, meaning. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting means not good. Not. Uh, and then, then or my, means I won't say truth. They won't say the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're letting you know there's something. Something's not uh-huh. right there. Whereas, like, my tranny mom will just take off her, her flip-flop and hit you upside the head. It's a, I, it's, it's a very much more direct way of doing things, and I really love it. And it really spoke to me and has stuck with me. So I'm really bad at being subtle and walking around the issues. So when I first moved yeah, here and they were talking about getting jobs and the way that you write about yourself on a CV and how you talk about the things that you can do, you don't like well, this was years back right but what they would say is instead of saying tear no instead of saying i can walk it was a bad example yeah but a good, uh, i simple. can walk you would say i am good at moving my feet i could possibly make a, a trip if it was needed if this is you know what I mean? like this is long walk around getting to what you actually can do so that you don't come across as, as arrogant or something. And I am not of that nature. So it's very difficult for me. Uh, so people think a lot of times that I'm confrontational because I'm direct, but I'm not actually that confrontational. Especially the longer I've been here, I've gotten more subdued by the passive aggressiveness that is Norway. Mm-hmm. So I'm good mm-hmm. at being passive aggressive as well. But if you're going to come at me, I'm going to let you know I'm not the one. Get all that stuff out of the way. You know, like, don't, it's not A, if it's A or B, just tell me if it's A or B. Don't spend time in between because there's nothing in between. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, there's not the space yeah, there. Like, that's not. Nothing communication. Right? Maybe in something, yeah, else could Philosophy be. speaking, sure. There's yeah. a whole bunch of stuff between A and B. Yeah. But if I'm asking you, is it A or B? Just, just tell me. Can you tell me a little bit about your Norwegian family? My mom uh, came from a Norwegian old school Christian home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather was racist. Mm-hmm. He didn't like black people, brown people at all. So the drama of me existing was beyond belief. Uh, but also that she she had her ways, she has her ways of uh, what uh, she was even, well, she was, I think it was first Lutheran and then 
over to evangelical. And none of those paths really made any space for, I didn't see it then, but anything that wasn't, um, it had to be Anglo-Saxon heteronormative. And then I was raised by drag queens and it just seemed, it all to me was very natural. Mm. Uh, so I was being raised as a young person to believe in um, the Christian mythology and I was seen in the world that it wasn't uh, as cut and dry as that as, as they tried to make it seem so i had a lot of issues i had a lot of problems growing up how to deal with a christian upbringing and yet be because i never came out as gay and i wouldn't say that i am now um but i had mm, i was more connected to women i was more attracted to women when i was younger than i was attracted to men, but that was obviously just not an option whatsoever. Mm. So I grew up with this sort of like, this is what you're supposed to be, but then this is what you actually are is a different thing. Um, so it was, it was a very difficult, it was a very difficult to maneuver. To maneuver and to, to uh, kind of discover, can you, can you, can you say now that you to 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 what you what you believe in or belong to no <laughs> and that that's that's okay no i can't and that's the weirdest part about it as well no because i remember especially when i was younger there was a camp that i was sent to every summer that was mm -hmm. a christian camp and the older you get that you you can no longer be a camper, but you could be a counselor or you could uh -huh. work in the kitchen or work on like different things on the camp. And I was there as a, as a camper. And then when I, when I got too old, uh, I didn't want to be a counselor because I felt very uncomfortable with the idea of me counseling people about Christianity. It just didn't yeah. seem right to me, but I felt like it was something I had to do. So I would go there every summer. And I would like go out into nature and get on my knees and be like, God, give me a sign, make me, make me holy. Give me a sign, give me a sign, give me a sign. There was never a sign, or at least it was, but it wasn't the sign I was looking for. Uh, so, yeah. And I remember also my mom at one point asking me to make more friends with black people. And I found that to be so weird because I thought that it was just, it was, so random. I mean, the question came out of the, the, yeah, the question came out of nowhere. They literally came out of nowhere. Like, do you? I want you. I think it was like, I want you to have more black friends. And Are I thought, honest? what? Why? What? It doesn't connect with me. Like, why would you ask me to pick friends on race? Uh, and I get where she was coming from now. Like, she wanted me to not just be around white people because I wasn't white. So she wanted me to have a different experience. And she did small things that I didn't notice. Like, I think I was in fourth grade, maybe. Uh, and we had a... Oh, so polarizing when I think about this. I grew up in a white-ass neighborhood. So we had one black teacher in the entire school. And she wasn't even specifically my teacher. I didn't take her class per se. But I remember suddenly... And this is, kids are so dumb. We don't catch on to things. Because I was suddenly doing after school things with her, with the teacher. But it was just the two of us. There were no other students. Like she was taking me to poetry, like slam poetry meetings and 
black art installations and like basically she was taking me to all of these black things mm, mm. and there was never this you were black so this is what this is it was just like giving me the education like just talking to me about all these different things and I didn't even put together I never even thought about like why are we doing this I'm just like oh this is cool this is nice you enjoy and it yeah. wasn't until like and later I was like oh so my mom was like okay right right I see what's happening there since yeah. you mentioned that your grandpa, my mom's your dad was your racist. your mother, yeah, did uh, how I never met him. Yeah, but uh, that's, but we got bad blood. <laughs> I, I was uh, guessing that that you probably never met him. But what do you th- how do you think that he did make an influence on your mom? He made a huge influence on her, huge influence because she was the youngest of seven and. It was all boys except for my the old the firstborn. My aunt was a woman, uh-huh. obviously, and then my mom came. Okay, last. so seven to so it girls. was all boys, and yeah. then came uh, my mom, and so she was uh, daddy's little girl. So I think there was I think it was it was there was a lot of drama. It was really difficult for her, I think, to have to admit to out of wedlock pregnancy. Yeah, but that's... You know, but you the, know. How, how and this is before the 80s, before that was the thing. Maria, how old you were and how it happened that you moved to Norway? See, what had happened was I was done with some other states and gone through some traumas and blah, 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 and ready to move on. So what you need to know is my cousin who was a very good friend of mine, was a beatnik. And she was older than me by five years or so. And she would travel around. She would drive around the U.S. She was mm-hmm. doing... Do you know what a beatnik is? I'm guessing. But maybe someone doesn't know. So Right. So let me just find the actual technical term for beatnik. Today, I guess we would say that a beatnik is like the original hipster. But it is a young person in the 50s and early 60s belonging to a subculture associated with the beat generation. Mm -hmm. And the beat generation was doing, was um, Jack Kerouac, Williams and Burrow and all these different like authors were beatniks where they would like jump onto a train, ride to the next town, drink a jug of wine, meet a bunch of people, smoke elendy amounts of cigarettes write stuff, go to stuff, do stuff. So with the cousin? So she was this. But I mean, obviously she wasn't a beatnik because beatnik, I think it was the 50s and 60s. I'm pretty sure beatnik was done by 69. <laughs> but anyways, so what had happened was she wrote me a letter, this beautiful beatnik letter. God, I wish I still had that. That was just like, the whole letter was poetry. And it wasn't even meant to be a, po- a poem. It was just like, now is the time you were of this age, this and this has happened and uh, your your development and culture and we need to get out there in the world and, and taste it and da 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 uh, and meet me at, at this gas station on this highway at this time. And like and it wasn't like you're like like meet me at the corner of whatever and ever downtown. Yeah. It was like literally like meet me in the bumfuck middle of nowhere on the border of Minnesota, North Dakota or somewhere. <laughs> and the greatest thing about it was that I told my mom and she was like, yeah, I know where that is. I'll take you there. Okay. Yeah. So my mom literally drove me there 
and, and when my cousin was there, but actually my cousin was at the gas station like across the street. <laughs> it's like literally a highway with nothing and then two gas stations across Quite the really? street. <laughs> yes. And she's like, oh, it's that one. Okay, whatever. Uh, so she picked me up and we went on this uh, this road trip from uh, North Dakota down to t- uh, Taos, New Mexico, which is where she ended up moving to. Uh, so we went down there to check out how to do that. But the journey itself was, man, it was, it's oh. the journey, not the destination. Yeah. You know, yeah, it yeah, is yeah, just, that's oh. thing. Yeah. so it was basically everything they tell you that it is in movies and more. This The cross country road trips are as magical as you think they are. They are wild. They are wild. And I learned from her a lot of things and just that became suddenly that my passion was to just keep moving. Mm -hmm. So then I kept moving and I kept moving from state to state. And I lived in each state for maybe about a year and a half to two years. And then suddenly Norway. How? From the road trip with the cousin? Then trip around the USA. I went to Iceland for a while mm-hmm. because my best friend was living there. Uh-huh. And then it was there <clears throat> where we decided Iceland was not going to be the place because I had no connection there. And I needed to move to somewhere where I had a connection. And so Norway was the obvious connection since I actually had a literal book of my family history to tie to that country so I could go there. Mm-hmm. And still cousins and... Family? I have cousins here and family here and yeah, the whole... Did they package. know that you are coming or you just... I met them when I first got here. Um, we don't hang out now and it's not in any... There's no bad blood or anything. It's Nothing, just, yeah. just, you know, we didn't know each other beforehand. Came here, we met each other, but we don't actually have anything in common besides schlecht right because like, they're not even because my last name is Vigso and they're Olsens or something like that mm-hmm. so we're not even like we're distant distant cousins however fun fact for the readers there is a small little town in the mountains southwest from Bergen a town called Vigso because the history history will let you know that my last name is V-I-K-E-S-O And then when the family members went over to the U.S., they didn't have time for that language. So then they changed the names, the spelling of the name. So it's the same name, just old Norwegian, new Norwegian kind of thing. Uh Uh, So I went to that town when I first moved here. So I have a whole, there's a whole town named after my last name. Everyone there is my relative. Uh-huh. And that's why you first moved here because it's like, yeah, I have I have relation. Yeah. And it'll get me into Europe. And I just needed to get away from the U.S. because it was the second round for President Bush Jr. Mm-hmm. And I was completely shocked that he won for a second time. I had surrounded myself with so many liberals that it did not come into my... I could not conceive of a second term. So when yeah. that happened, I you was like, your... I'm really in a bubble. This yep. really isn't... It's when I started to learn that, oh, there really is two different types of Americas. And even then, I didn't know. I was thinking it was like, there's liberal America and there's conservative America. That is not true. I mean, yes, there is that. But the real division is there's white America and then there's the other America. And that will be for any minority. So what we saw that specifically with, so weird to say it, with the storming of the Capitol. uh, And a lot of people were like, this isn't America. And a lot of black people have been like, 
This is exactly America. This was no surprise for Black America to see that happen. Whereas for White America, they were like clutching their pearls. Mm. And I also have pearls because I'm Danish royalty. <laughs> Not to forget. Okay. <laughs> So, what were the memories in that first month, weeks, that you just came to Norway? Well, I was nervous because I knew I was coming. I'd only studied at the university about Norway and then had my family's version of Norway. My family's version is a very old Norway, Mm -hmm. so I wasn't really relying on that at all. But I was a little concerned that I might be the only person of color in the entire country. That's so American. To assume that I was going to literally be the only person of color in an entire country. country. (laughs) Not town, but country. (laughs) Right? Not even the town. Just the entire country. So I was very nervous about that when I first got here. And I did a, a study program when I first came here. So I was at the university and I was with... Um, a lot of uh, it was just an American group of students, mm-hmm. uh, and some of them were very American. Meaning, just mean like everything you think of when you think of an American and the negativism that was them. We couldn't; they couldn't grasp the concept of uh, hour changes. Like uh, seven o'clock is nineteen. But in the U.S. at 7, they don't understand what that would mean. So they book a flight for 7 o'clock because they mean 7 o'clock at night. So you should understand that I mean 7 o'clock at night, even though this entire country runs by 19 instead uh-huh. of 7. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like so that kind so of stuff. open for it. <laughs> right? I'm going outside of my my country, but you need to adapt to me while I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> while I was a, an American student with amongst Americans... I was making sure everybody we met knew I was Canadian. <laughs> Not to mix you with the My other. My dad's from Canada, so I'm actually not American. Except for if I talk like that and then you yeah. was American. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, but I did get a lot of the go back to where you came from. Mm-hmm. And I found... That to be interesting, the go back to where you came from thing was interesting for me because I never understood if they meant, okay, go back to America uh, because you are American or go back because you're black, uh, go back because you're fat. You know what I mean? Like I had, I had all these others of me. I'm, I'm, I have so much others, you know, I'm, uh, I'm fat, I'm brown, I'm black, I'm woman, I'm pseudo queer like all these different things and because i'm so mixed race you can't and because i'm light-skinned you can't quite place like i feel like people's brains are kind of like going in hyperspeed they seem like wait because they want to place you to know what to do and then yeah but that's that's also i i would say a general uh, majority of people uh, like to know where you came from what's your background blah blah that they can place you somewhere Mm -hmm. to say you are this or that and that but uh, do you have any concrete uh, example that that you experienced racism here uh, there was a time when someone told me to go back to where I came from, mm-hmm. here in Oslo. That was a wild experience. And I was the only person of color in that situation. So it also dictated how I was going to respond. 
Because it was at a bar and it was just some dude at the bar who was like, well, we should go back to where you came from. Why? Was she drunk? Exactly. I don't know why. It was a dude. I don't know why he said it. Luckily, I had a white friend who was, if you can imagine, a pit bull just attacking someone. That's what she looked like at that moment. It was just, it was really adorable to watch her just go into pure rage on my behalf and go at this person. And I really needed it at the time because at the time I couldn't speak Norwegian. So I, he said it to me in English and it would have been wonderful for me to come back at him in Norwegian and and put him in his place, but I didn't have the skills. So luckily I had someone who could do it for me, but it was, uh, it stuck with me for, obviously stuck with me forever because I still think about it now. I still remember it now, but it's, yeah, it's... But that happens once or that, well, to Being that blatant. Because I call that, like, that felt like Southern racism. You know what I mean? Like, go back where you came from. It's just so blatant. Yeah. And it was just... I think it was kind of put off because I didn't think Norwegians were that blatant. So that was really... That was wilding for me. Tell me what you are finding as uh, uh, similarities or differences between... American and Norwegian society. So when I first moved here, I was trying to hide that I was American because I knew the negativisms. I felt the negativisms and that was the reason that I moved. So I could understand why people would be mad on us. And as the years went by, I started to feel like there were a lot of, there was a lot of like, everybody had their opinions and their comments on how they felt that we were doing things in the U.S., Um, and I was kind of like, yeah, but what are you doing here? And I feel like there's a lot of like, I can say that about you, but I'm not reflecting about myself. You know what I mean? So I was kind of like, you know, you Norwegians are putting yourselves on a pretty high pedestal when it comes to insulting America. Yet when I look around, y'all are biting every style we Americans have. American pop culture is just being devoured by Norwegians. And it's so interesting that you like, you love to take our culture, but then you also love to talk shit about our country. So at a certain point, I was like, you know what? I'm done with that. So then I began to embrace being American. And that's kind of like also because I, I never saw myself as part of the diaspora. And that was kind of, it still is wild to me that I'm actually part of the diaspora. I never considered myself to be that because I was raised white. And for some reason, I just thought that I wasn't, I didn't get to be a part of it because, because I was raised white. Like, I have a black dad, yeah, but most of my cultural teachings have been white, so I can't really be a part of a black culture, an international black culture. But being here and I worked with, I was a volunteer for African History Week the first year, and the second year I worked for them putting together an art exhibition and collaboration to the festival. And doing that and then meeting Africans... Uh, from the diaspora and from the country and just all over meeting here and getting a whole new perspective on blackness that I hadn't seen so much in the U.S. because in the U.S. it's mostly uh, we don't know our history. We don't know where in Africa we come from. And I was also at this point where like I didn't like to call myself African-American because I thought I can't tell you where in Africa I come from. So why can I claim Africa? I'm black. I'm not African-American, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then coming here and meeting all these African regions and how they communicated and seeing like this 
I remember having a conversation with Nozizwe. Name dropping. For those of you who don't know, you need to know. Nozizwe is a soul singer from South Africa who is Norwegian, South African, Norwegian, Norwegian, South African, whom I met through African History Week. I was coming at her with like, oh, we're going to, I'm doing this burlesque and I don't know how the black community feels about it because, you know, it's all weird and stuff. Like, I don't know the dynamics. And she was like, it's so funny that you think there is an African community in Oslo. Like, there's just one community that's all of us. And I was like, at that time, I really thought, oh, skin folk is kin folk. And she taught me that is not the truth. I started to learn more about myself as a person of color uh, in a European white society. Yeah. Because I've been a person of color in a white society for many times, but coming here in a new society that is theoretically not American, but loves to take on its cultures, it was really weird. And I learned a lot about myself as a black person and started to grow more and become, I don't know if you can become more black. Yes, you but can. You're, but, you're... but I did. Yeah, and your so, identity. Yeah. So you meet that I'm here. So you... much more of a proud black woman now than I was when I was living in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Now it's just, I will scream it from the rooftops. You mentioned something about uh, Black History Month. I think this will make this in the third year of Black History Month in Norway. African History Week was a festival that was a week-long festival that happened once a year when I moved here. I, was, I understood that that was an African festival and it, I never connected that with Black History Month. Those were two very separate mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as I knew, Norway didn't have a Black History Month. But Norway has had one now because of Ida. Ida Evita de Leon. Ida Evita on Instagram. Uh, this girl started, is the founder of Black History Month and lots of other stuff. Personal things have happened in my life that I haven't been able to be involved with it as heavily as I would like to. Uh, also, it's a struggle for me because I feel personally like that I always have to be so fully involved in everything black in this country. And that's very difficult because everything black in this country is more like African in this country than it is black. There's a difference between black and African, right? There's black is an American diaspora. African is, well, countries within the continent of Africa. Again, like all these different cultures of blackness that are separate and they all have their events and their things going on here. So I, I understood now and it's just like, there's no one black culture here. For me, I feel um, it's been, I've been feeling, especially when I started burlesque, I'm the first black burlesque performer in this country. In Norway, yeah. In Norway. And I'm not sure on the dates, but I think I might be the first in all of Scandinavia. I'm at least the second in all of Scandinavia. There's mm-hmm. another one in Sweden. I'm not sure if she's still performing or not. There's more now there than there were before, but that I'm aware of, there's me and then there's some in Sweden uh, and then that's it. And so I felt a lot of pressure to represent the entire blackness of like, all shades and all continents and all countries and all that. So it was really difficult because I only have my experience. I, I can't can't represent South Africa. It's just not going to happen. It is important for me to represent black women of the diaspora or of whatever. So every act that I do is based on 
if not one specific black woman, it's on black women in general. And I felt a lot of pressure when I started, first started doing this to be the voice of and to give voice to. And there's been more and more performers of color in the world now since I've started. So I feel a little less pressure that I need to do that. But within Scandinavia, it's still just me. But I'm as I'm getting older, I'm starting to realize, you know, I can't I can't just be doing this just to be the black person doing this forever until the next one comes. At some point, I got to do what's best for me and not what's yeah, best yeah. for... Yeah, or you yeah. you did your part and things that you believe in that you you, you did that 100%. So it's right, a, I did my part. That's been it's been documented. Yeah. So be good. But there's been the... Yeah, there's the racism here is like the North in the U.S. It's subtle and uh, they try to not they try to walk around it in certain ways it's the way like oh you speak such good ing such good norwegian and that exists yeah it's it's there it's uh, yeah i don't i don't feel the need to explain it because if you're like brown and black people listening to me already know what they they already know it and white people if you don't know it yet you should I, I'm not here to teach you. And that's actually a really, that, yes, that is something I've learned within the last couple of years. Um, I am done teaching. For me, for a long time, when I first moved here, I felt it was my responsibility to educate Norwegians I ran into about racism. So there was a guy, I was at a bar with some friends and this guy said, uh, let's look, there's a big fat nigger right there. Pointing at me. And I was like, okay. And at that moment, I was like, you know what? I'm in the mood to educate. So the library is open. Come on in. And I told him, these are the words you can't use. This is why you can't use this. And I was actually quite, I was astoundingly patient, astoundingly kind, considering who I am as a person. And the fact that I'm royalty, I'm just telling you, this man was so lucky that night. <laughs> um, <laughs> but particularly because I remember another woman was like, another black woman was like, how could you bother with that? How the, the fact that you could give the time to him from what he just said and the fact that you didn't just bop him upside the head. And I have no idea why I didn't. And now it's 2021, so there's no excuse anymore for yeah, you, yeah, for, the, for that you maybe didn't know that naked doesn't fly anymore. There's no more time for that. And we have uh, La Google, aka Google. So I feel like there's just no excuse anymore. There's uh, a Norwegian. There's a Norwegian documentary about Norwegian trade, uh, trading slaves back and forth. So Norwegians made a lot of money on the slave trade. They'd made money from the things that were traded with slaves. And also some Norwegians actually had slaves. And this is gold. Here's why it's gold. Because for years while I would see everyone was like, you need to know your history. Norwegians don't do that. We're not that kind of people. We were not involved in these things. How could you think this? And now the clap back is real. Woo! Watching that was, I was so vindicated. It was the first time I've ever watched a slave documentary and been like smiling. I was like, ooh, Norwegian, you tried to say some shit that wasn't true. 
it's it's a recommendation in the fact that it's because it existed. In terms of documentaries, it's sad, but whatever. A recommendation is enslaved documentary on Anarchoa with Samuel L. Jackson because Samuel L. Jackson is basically the man. So I suggest that you see that. But for me, my point is that um, when I was first here, there was a lot of negating uh, truths about racism in this country. And now, particularly with with what everyone has seen with Trump, that you can see how dangerous it is to do that. I feel like white people... Racism was created and started by white folk. And racism is going to be solved by white folk. We have done what we need to do. We black folk have educated you. We have been there for you. We have placated you. We have taken your shit. We have helped you out. We have guided you. And we're done with that. And now it's your turn to learn and to change and to make the change. Because we... We've made the change. We feel a certain way. We're trying to change things and do what we can. And quite honestly, as the oppressed, there's only so much we can do because white people are running the show. Whether I agree with it or not, that's how it is. So y'all need to change shit. Unfortunately, we need to to end this conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. I hope that you... Play me off with some Missy Elliott or some real black-ass music. <laughs> that will be in the second season. We'll you can open on. me with your yoga-inspired music, but play me off with your black-ass music. <laughs> okay, I'll see what can I do. <laughs> Thank you, Maria. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't pay right now the license for the music and to use music that we actually want to use or our guests want to use but we hope in the nearest future we will be able to do that and speaking of that you can support us on patreon and maybe to make that uh, with music or some other improvements easier (laughs) thank you